Welcome to the Dior Hot Seat. Blockchains are deterministic. In EVM chains, you put code, it gets processed, you pay gas for this computation, and boom! All nodes should have the same result. They have their limitations, though. You need to write in Solidity or Viper, and computation is expensive. Our guests today, Carlo and Gabriel from Cartesi, have a different approach. They give you a Linux runtime so you can compute anything. They have made it deterministic though, so computations are replicable and verifiable given the code and the inputs. And then they implemented a challenge system to make use of this replicability to create a trust model. Speaking of trust, by now you should be seeing where the Diorg hot seat is going. We're opening sessions to go beyond the Diorg all hands and invite listeners to ask live questions as well. So follow us on Twitter at Diorg underscore tech to see when these sessions are going to be. You don't have to trust us to ask the hot questions. You can come and ask them yourself. We would also like to thank those who trust us enough to donate to our Giveth campaign at giveth.io slash project slash Diorg hyphen hot hyphen seat. That is giveth.io slash projects slash Diorg hyphen hot hyphen seat and keep the lights on on this show. Let's get started with today's wild idea of a Linux runtime rollup with Carlo and Gabriel from Cartesi. Sure, I prepared a very short and sweet presentation for you guys to give it a, a sense of what we have here. And that is intentional, so you can kind of grind us afterwards. So we are ready for that. We love to receive the harder questions. So today here, like you introduced, uh, it's me and my friend Carlo. We both work at Cartesi for a long time now. And I'd like to introduce what Cartesi is uh, at first. So it is a app-specific rollup, optimistic rollup, that uses a RISC-V implementation of, of a processor to build a VM that supports the Linux OS. Okay, that is a lot of things, right? So how does it look like? How, how do, does that mean for the developer? So we got to Ethereum, and there's a lot of things about it, right? Uh, it's a whole new industry. And with that, we got reduced to a tool set that is very small. I've been coding uh, on Ethereum since 2016. Things came a long way. But still, it feels like we have pliers and very simple tooling to manage to recreate the whole, the whole world, right? Like people have been trying to disrupt all the industries only using the simple toolings. But if you have the support of a whole OS, what can you do? What can you have? What can't you have, right? Like we've been using, uh, we've been uh, developing web technologies. We've been creating these ever more complex ways of creating systems like microservices. We have access to databases. We have access to so much good stuff that we spent thousands, millions of years really of people's lives, right, developing. And we kind of threw it away for a little bit, but Cortez is trying to bring it back for the development of blockchain itself. So it's very incomparable. And here's a very small example of a string replace done in Solidity. I mean, it's not really readable uh, at this size, but 
the idea here is just to show how complex this thing is. And there is a lot of assembly happening here as well. And that's just to be doing a very simple thing that many applications do every day, right? And even if you take this as is, it, it, it is very expensive. It takes a lot of your contract space if you don't use it as a library. It comes with a lot of problems. And if you're trying to do this currently, you could just use Python replace uh, function. And it becomes like very, very easy again to do something that we uh, learned very early in universities. And what about the computation itself? So if we have varied and gas that you can have as maximum for a block, we are not even talking about the actual monetary cost here, right? I'm just talking about the possibilities. And still being very generous, let's say we can uh, do a function that only uses the add uh, opcode. So that's three gas. So that means that at best, and that's very generous, do a 10 million instructions on a single. And that is good for many things, but it's very limiting as well, right? It's difficult to express the whole human interaction complexity with this kind of a machine. But in a 13 seconds, and we limit it here just so we have a base to compare with Ethereum, which is the time for a block in Ethereum, sort of. On a laptop, in a simple, simple laptop, to 3 billion instructions. And this is a screenshot of a um, Bash uh, interactive shell inside a Cartesian machine. So here we are being very, very, uh, how to say, not generous with the Cartesian machine. And just to make it easier for you guys to understand and visualize, the little yellow square there would be the capacity of Ethereum compared to this uh, Cartesian machine example right now. That's how far you can go if you use a rollup uh, using the Cartesian rollup technology. And here we have some examples of things done and built in hackathons or side projects or even grants um, of the commu uh, Cartesian community. Uh, Carlo, Carlo should uh, comment on those. Okay. You're going to take it over right now. So uh, as Barros said, the Cortez machine offers this rich environment because after all, it's a Linux machine on a RISC-V uh, ISA. So basically everything that you can run on RISC-V, uh, you can run inside the Cortez machine. So uh, these are a couple of uh, interesting applications that are built using Cortez. So top left, we have uh, a parking application. So it's a common problem. Uh, there are multiple solutions in Web2. But uh, there's always the problem of uh, you have to put money on specific systems. They don't uh, interact with each other. Each place has its own rules. You have to figure out what's the system you have to use. So these guys from Poland, they just made a system that uh, wh whoever wants can use. And if you have uh, traffic, uh, a problem, like you get a, a fine for parking somewhere and not paying, well, you have a decentralized trustless application that can show you, yeah, I was parked in there, but uh, I was still uh, paying for it. And you can get the proof that you were uh, within the, the allowed period for you to park, given the amount you paid. And uh, that would be pretty hard to implement uh, directly in smart contracts. But once again, the Cortez machine is a Linux-enabled machine. 
with a lot of computational capacity. So these guys, they just use the geo uh, JSON libraries, uh, libraries to calculate uh, coordinates within a polygon and this kind of stuff. Uh, databases like SQLite, and they managed to implement it pretty quickly. Uh, the example underneath, it's uh, a Mandelbrot fractal. And uh, these Mandelbrot fractals, they demand a lot of uh, computational power, right? So these guys from uh, a hackathon, they said, okay, let's make a NFT collection in which you can prove the art that was generated. So they use this Mandelbrot algorithm within the Cartesian machine. They, they've done it in Rust and they generate these beautiful fractal patterns. And uh, unlike most NFTs that you just have a certificate of, you can change, you can uh, delete, uh, on this case, the art was generated within the Cartes machine, so everyone can validate the art is being generated correctly, can reproduce it, and can make sure it's the, the right one. Uh, in the middle, I think most of the people are uh, familiarized with that screenshot. That's Doom. So there, there was this guy on Twitter asking, hey, uh, if Ethereum is really the global computer, why don't we see Doom on it? And then we had this guy uh, from our emulator team, Eduardo, and he said, okay, challenge accepted. And he made the Doom run in real time inside the Cortez machine. So there you have a, a Doom screenshot he took with uh, with the Cortez machine console uh, behind running the the Doom. Uh, you can take a look at his Twitter later. Uh, I can give you the URL so you can check the video and even the rep on yours. Uh, on the top corner, we have a, a much different uh, application. So this uh, this guy was uh, dealing with the problem of uh, fingerprint identity, and uh, in multiple places it is used for uh, clocking and clocking out and other things. And people are used to tamper with it. So they go into a fingerprint scanner and they use a silicone fingerprint or they use a photocopy or something like that to tamper with it to say they're there, well they're not, to clock in, clock out for teammates, stuff like this. And these systems also have a problem because they put someone to watch these people and validate they're there. But uh, in corrupt setups, these people start asking for bribes. And then they say you're there. If you pay, they say you're not if you don't pay. So this guy make, made this uh, decentralized application with Cartesi. And uh, the input is the fingerprint. And then you got this C++ program using OpenCV that processes the fingerprint and extracts uh, an array of features describing it. And then he feeds this array of features into a machine learning model he trained to classify if the fingerprint was spoofed or not. And uh, this is running inside a second Python program. And then if uh, someone says you're trying to tamper with the system, it's not because they asked for a bribe and didn't pay or anything like that. It's because you have a model running inside a machine transparently. Anyone can just reproduce it, can dispute if someone makes an incorrect claim and show the, the correct outcome. Uh, then on the right, top right corner, we have a game, which is, uh, this guy got this uh, retro emulator, like fighting game style, like Street Fighter, uh, Tekken, stuff like this, uh, Ikemen Go. And uh, he made a Python program that and that feeds two fighters that are NFTs. And uh, in this case, we have Pichu and the Kung Fu guy. But there are multiple different ones. He made a pizza delivery guy. He made uh, animals, all sorts of stuff. And this application is called Colosseum. So uh, you have the, 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 the fight. People uh, wage on who's going to win. 
and then the fight happens within the Cortez machine on this uh, retro fighting emulator, and uh, then it renders the fight and they pay the the winners. And once again, uh, uh, if someone tries to tamper with result anything, you can just dispute because it's it's running inside Cortez machine. And you can use the protocol to make sure the correct result is enforced. Uh, bottom right is a mashup of two games that are uh, well known. So Candy Crush and uh, Pokemon. So, so uh, we have a Pokemon-like game in the, the blockchain, which is Axie Infinity, but it's actually centralized. So the NFTs are on-chain, but uh, the game logic itself is, is basically centralized. And that's because you don't have computational power on the blockchain to, to support a game like this. So these guys with Cortez machine, they do have the computational power and they do have the tooling to express uh, complex logic. So they developed the back, uh, the game simulation logic in Rust and it runs inside the Cortez machine. And then they have the made in Unity, uh, which uh, has uh, 3D graphics, all the goodies. And they display this, this fight between the characters powered by moves on this Candy Crush-like uh, shared puzzle. Once again, everything is transparent. Uh, if you have a competitive uh, gaming landscape, uh, there's no admin that can tamper with a random number on the server or can tamper with the match or do anything nasty. Everything is transparent. Anyone can verify the computation and can dispute it. And the last example I want to talk about is the one on the, on the back, which is a DeFi one. So uh, these guys, they were inspired by the Mango hack that happened uh, last year. So this guy pumped an asset, then goes to Mango, asks for a loan of stablecoins, use the pumped asset, Mango goes to a price oracle, it checks out, gives them the 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 lending, uh, and and then uh, they don't pay. They don't pay, but uh, when Mango tries to liquidate the collateral, it's not worth the the amount they they got. It's actually worth much less because the asset doesn't have uh, a liquidity, so it's highly volatile. And uh, inspired by this, uh, what they did is they made this application called Nucleus inside Cortez, which receives a stream of uh, data containing the volumes and prices of assets being negotiated. And then they can use NumPy to make an analysis on uh, what's going on. And they can come up with better risk metrics and output things to a lending protocol like, yeah, you cannot lend more than $10,000 on this asset because if you try to liquidate it, it won't hold. Oh yeah, this asset is great. It has low volatility. It's 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 got great liquidity. Uh, you can lend uh, two millions, and it's no issue if you have to liquidate because the price will hold. So these are a couple of uh, interesting applications uh, being built with Cortez, just to give examples of uh, neat stuff you can do when you uh, enable your applications with uh, all the goodies that have been developed on traditional stacks up to today. We are open for questions. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That was a great presentation. Very short and sweet. I'm going to get started with the first question. In Ethereum, we know where the computation happens and it's replicated in every node. Um, where does the computation happen in Cartesi? So the way the Cortez ensures that computations that happen off-chain inside the Cortez machine are actually secured 
even though they're validated by a smaller uh, amount of nodes, is that uh, we have this protocol, uh, which is called the verification game. And what happens is that uh, whenever someone doesn't agree with uh, the outcome of computation, they can just engage in introduce uh, interactive protocol and uh, actually use the underlying chain like uh, Ethereum with thousands of nodes to uh, check who actually is correct on that dispute. So it's not a matter of arbitrating with a small amount of nodes. Uh, arbitration actually takes place uh, on Ethereum, which is where our protocol executes, right? So how does this work? The Cortez machine itself is deterministic and uh, that means that if you have two parties not agreeing about the outcome of computation, that means that at least one of them did something they shouldn't. So the first protocol, uh, the first part of the protocol is actually identifying the first uh, state change on the Cortez machine that led to a state that parties didn't agree. Uh, translating, that would be the first RISC-V instruction in which both parties agree on the Cortez machine before executing it, uh, but they don't after. And once we find that uh, instruction, what we do is we had this major work of implementing a Cortez machine emulator on-chain Solidity. So when we reach that instruction, we ask this on-chain emulator, which uh, is the consensus of Ethereum or of any underlying chain, to execute the instruction and to tell us what's the correct state after that, uh, that instruction is executed. If it matches the original claim, then uh, it's fine, you won't dispute, otherwise uh, you lose. So that way we can have this uh, smaller set of nodes validating these extremely heavy uh, applications with a lot of computation, but still maintain the guarantees that uh, a single correct party can enforce the result because we go back to Ethereum security to arbitrate disputes uh, when there's need. Labs can operate on dedicated rollups and they rely heavily on off-chain computations, right? So how does Cartesi ensure the integrity and security of these computations? So what mechanisms are in place to prevent potential attacks such as data manipulation, false reporting, etc.? Can you discuss a little bit the validation or challenge processes in place to ensure the security and trustworthiness of the off-chain computations? So uh, currently the framework uh, enforces that all the inputs for computations must be available on-chain. So that way we have guaranteed that no input was tampered with and also that uh, there are no data availability problems, right? Because if I want to reproduce computation that uh, you performed on a file on IPFS for instance and uh, I claim that that file is not available but you claim that the data is there there is no way for the protocol to arbitrate what actually happened, right? From the blockchain point of view, you cannot tell if someone is lying about having data available somewhere else or if the other person is lying about not being there. So since this is a really hard problem currently, all the inputs, they are available on-chain through a special smart contract on our framework, uh, which has a method called add input. So whenever you want to feed something to the Cortez machine, you must provide that input through this uh, smart contract. And then uh, there's no dispute about inputs. It's, if it's in there, it's in the blockchain. If it's not there, it doesn't exist. Related to the topic we were talking before on AI, 
on the light of the different models that you can run on CPUs like Llama, Vicuna, GPT-40, the different models like Groovy, do you think these models can be run on a Cartesian virtual machine? And what do you think about it? Why would it be important if you can do it? For sure, you'll be able to run these on Cartesian. These language language models, um, they just need a lot of processing. Cartesian machine can provide that. In fact, uh, just now at East Lisbon, one of the hackathon winners and fi uh, finalists at the main track uh, called ChainGPT was a project that used the uh, Alpaca model uh, for answering uh, questions just like ChatGPT. And the importance of this is to have accountability on the actual information provided. So as you're running ChatGPT, you're trusting OpenAI to be providing you with the right answers. Not in the sense that uh, the model cannot make a mistake, but for, sure, for instance, if you ask ChatGPT what is a good drink for your health, you shouldn't be just going and answering Coca-Cola, right? And if, if, if it does, you should hold OpenAI accountable for that. And remember, kids might be using this model. So in these settings, um, it's more interesting for a school or for parents to be using a system that is reliable enough and trustworthy, um, such as a model running on blockchain, so they know that the model has been hasn't been tempered with. Drew, uh, huge work of re-implementing the Cortez machine in Solidity. So uh, once we have this single instruction in which we know the pilot is read, we ask this on-chain Cortez machine emulator to execute it and then to tell us what's the next uh, state uh, Merkle hash. If it matches the one the, the guy that claimed the computation result uh, uh, matches, then he, won he wins the dispute. If it doesn't, he loses the dispute. So this way we can have a really small uh, set of validators per application but still have the security that a single party uh, can enforce the correct result because when there's a dispute, it's settled using the, the same security guarantees that the underlying chain provides. All right, excellent, thank you. Um, Nick, I think you can just uh, hop on and have a follow-up question on this. Hey guys, yeah, I really appreciate uh, you guys taking the time and going through RTIC platform and uh, seems very interesting. Um, and and you know, it sounds like you've touched on some of the security uh, uh, questions I, I had already, which is which is great. That, um, you know, it really seems you guys you know provide a unique approach to off-chain computations, and you know where every D app can essentially operate on its own dedicated rollup and you know minimizes resource uh, cannibalization, right? And um, but it does bring to light some of the potential security or even integrity concerns, right? Um, you know, whether it be data manipulation, you know, since computations, you know, they're carried out off chain, you know, how do you safeguard against uh, malevolent actors attempting to manipulate the data before it's even committed to the chain, you know? And how, how does Cartesi's machine detect and handle any discrepancies in the computation process, you know, ensuring that the data is, you know, in fact, being processed the way it needs to be. And, you know, the second part of that I just wanted you to touch on is, you know, what measures, you know, have you put in place to prevent nodes from reporting false computational outcomes uh, back to the main chain? You know, are there uh, like any consensus mechanisms or, you know, verification processes uh, utilized for validation before the outcomes are even accepted? 
Um, you know, I just think, uh, you know, this in the block trading world, I guess we all we all kind of are, are somewhat uh, aware and we appreciate the fact that, um, you know, there's always this security slash scalability trade off. Right. And, uh, you know, I just I'm just curious to find out what you guys think about ensuring security and integrity, you know, when it comes to this type of trade off, uh, you know, with scalability in this space. Um, you know, how do you balance these factors, uh, you know, in the environment uh, and make sure everything's secure and incapable of handling large scale computations? So, Sonic, um, I'm going to explain a little bit. Uh, I think you have a good point. But um, since you touched many points uh, on your question, if I leave something out, please ask me again. But mainly, uh, it's not that different from other roll-up solutions. So... Uh, what you have is, for instance, data availability needs to be ensured on this layer. That makes things so. If you have uh, all the input, they think of, I mean, all optimistic clubs, they start off from the premise of having at least one honest validator. So it's up to the application itself to ensure that the econom economic incentives are aligned with that as well. So maybe you as a user don't want to run a full uh, node all the time for your uh, interactions with a specific rollup, but at a certain point in time, you're interacting with that, you have some uh, financial incentives to ensure that at least you're in your own node, you can verify things like that and post to the chain claims that things are wrong. And with that, you can possibly slash uh, bad validators, bad actors in general. Remembering, Again, the the cartesian machine is completely deterministic. You have the program that is running and the input. Can reach to the same. Does that make sense? Yeah, that makes sense. Thank you. Yeah, just adding a couple of points. So, as I said, all the inputs come through the blockchain. So, there's no data availability problem. You cannot argue that you can reproduce computation because data isn't available or that someone tamper with the data or anything like that. So, already solves the stuff. And the other thing is, Machine is completely different. So risk five itself, it's not. But the way we made it, so walk lock, uh, uh, it's deterministic. It always starts from the same uh, zero epoch, uh, first January of 1970. Uh, floating point operations, which are inherently not specified to be deterministic. So there's a lot of hardware state that can uh, change things. You multiply two numbers, the float pointers in your in your machine, ten times in a row. Uh, the last significant digits will change because it depends on on the hardware state it was. It's uh, not specified uh, uh, behavior, right? So we emulate those in a way that uh, it's deterministic using soft loads, all this kind of stuff. So it was a lot of work to make the Cortez machine itself deterministic, and then a lot more work to make the on-chain implementation 100% uh, equivalent. Because if it's not, then the it's a surface of attack that uh, someone can actually win a dispute when they're incorrect, right? So the, I think we answered your question, but uh, let us know if there's a point we, we left out. Yeah, no, that definitely clarified uh, things for me. Uh, deterministic validation mechanisms. That, yeah, that, that definitely makes sense. Great. So I assume that you guys chose RISC-V because that's open source. But uh, what are challenges on trying to recreate and emulate uh, this architecture? And how, how long did it take? And 
what what are, where are the resources that it, that it took? So the core tech, which is what we call the on-chain emulator, plus the implementation of the protocol, plus the Cortezi machine off-chain with uh, the components of the node that makes the stuff uh, execute Cortez machine, make a claim on-chain, and verify uh, other computations that are happening, dispute them, all this stuff. Uh, it took us quite a while. It took us like uh, two years, two to three years to develop. All right. That is all today for Cartesi at the intersection of a Linux virtual machine, a deterministic Linux virtual machine, and blockchain. Thank you to all the members for their amazing questions. And thank you to Cartesi for coming up here and sitting on the hot seat and responding them all.